afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God, faith, contemporary religion, and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Marty, pastor to the Grace Adventist Centre in Sterling Seventh-day Adventist Churches right here in Adelaide. And I'm joined by Pastor Gary. Pastor Gary is pastor to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church. And Pastor Gary, I was just driving in that area yesterday. And I thought, isn't this beautiful? Right near the water, you know, drive up there to Glenelg East as well. And I just thought, wow, this is this is a nice area of Adelaide. Yeah, I know. I I actually feel richly richly blessed to be actually over there. I find that uh, you know, whenever I've got a you know some sort of a church program on during the uh, during the week, uh, every now and then I like to go there half an hour early and stop at uh, uh, at Brighton and uh, get something to eat and uh, you know have dinner over and have some some dinner over. Over there, because there's some very nice eateries over that part of the world. Wow, well, it, it is certainly a good place to to go and hang out, and and I suppose it's a very tourist destination, a very popular tourist destination there in Glenelg. Ah, uh, it is, it is. And, Tell uh, me, have you walked along the uh, uh, that path that follows the seashore for miles and miles? Uh, parts of it, but yeah. um, you know, I, I uh, yeah, and I've got a cousin who likes to go jogging there, and and it's just fantastic, you know. I I, I need to get. We need to get there more, particularly when it warms up a little bit. Ah, and, yeah, uh, <laughs> important. That is important. <laughs> but I uh, w- want to welcome our listeners today. Um, it's so great to to have uh, to have you joining us on Faith FM today. This week we're looking at a very interesting question, Pastor Gary. Is the Good Book, the Bible, too violent? Mm. You know, it's it's uh, it's. It's pretty full on when you read some of the stories. I mean, you look at the book of Judges, for example, and you think, wow, this is... But I suppose that's what we're talking about this week. We're, we're delving yeah. into this subject. Of course, I think there's obviously some people who take uh, opportunity to to criticize and mock at the Bible because of yeah. some of these violent um, violent things that are recorded in the Scripture. And, and so we're specifically going to be actually asking the question, was the God of the Old Testament a violent monster? Mm. Um, we want to understand this because there's a lot of people that kind of see a – they see a difference between the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament. Yeah. And, yeah. and yet – the Bible's very clear. God is the same God. And uh, and so we want to under, unpack this and I'm uh, really looking forward to that Bible study. To begin with, we're going to talk a little bit about an article that I picked up um, and it's entitled Recreational Vaping Banned Tobacco Tax Increased Under Major Health Shakeup, Health Minister announces. Now, this was back in May. But I, I just thought this was a really interesting article. And I want to just read you a couple of things um, from this article. Recreational vaping will be banned and the tax on tobacco products will increase over the next three years under a massive smoking crackdown announced by Health Minister Mark Butler. Mm. Butler said the exo Excise on tobacco will increase by 5% over the next three years, starting in September. And the treatment of all tobacco products will be aligned in a move that he says will generate more than $3 billion in tax revenue. Coming down, he said, they will have to be imported for sale only in pharmacies. The import of vapes for sale in retail settings will end. 
these are supposed to be pharmaceutical products so that they will so that they will have to present in that way no more bubblegum flavors pink unicorns or vapes disguised as highlighter pens for kids to hide in their pencil cases mm. i can hear the teachers rejoicing butler said vaping posed a major th- health threat to young people Vaping has now become the number one behavioural issue, he says, in high schools and is becoming widespread in primary schools as well. Over the past 12 months, Victoria's position, Poison's Hotline, has taken 50 calls about children under the age of four ingesting vapes. Under the age of four. Mm. Vapes contain more than 200 chemicals that do not belong in the lungs, The federal government will work with states and territories to close down the sale of vapes in convenience stores and other retail settings. But it will still be legal to buy a vape with a prescription from your chemist to help smokers quit for good. And Butler said the government will make it easier for doctors to prescribe them. Mm. So it's a a very interesting subject. And I think in many ways, uh, Pastor Gary, I'm interested in, um, you know, your take on... How much? How much of a threat does does vaping really pose for for young people? Um, this is it's very interesting to me because of all the different. Um, you know, it, it seems to me that this is just a very um, a, a, an intentional strategy of the tobacco companies mm, to mm. to get another generation hooked on nicotine. Yeah, and, and look, uh, look, uh, Marty. The thing that I'm suppose I'm really conscious of. I'm, I'm old enough now to have seen uh, the number of uh, phases. I suppose you've, you've sort of see um, um, increasingly uh, different um, companies attempting to to impact. Uh, young people in order to make a profit. I mean, uh, you know, we could say exactly the same thing about uh, even the whole the whole sugar uh, the whole sugar issue. Uh, that's actually another one because what you're getting is uh, sugar companies are actually targeting primarily young people so that they become. We used to call it the sweet tooth. In other words, mm. it basically becomes an addiction to, to sugar. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one of the things that I'm, I'm really conscious of, uh, is that, you know, in many ways we have considerably reduced the problem with problematic smoking. I can well remember when I was a, a young person traveling on uh, you know, Sydney trains over, uh, over there and you'd go into the carriages and certainly every second person was smoking and uh, I was one of the, the few people probably that didn't, that, that didn't smoke but the air was actually thick and it would actually impact your eyes as well as every, you know, every other part of you as well and uh, I used to stand really close to the doors simply so that I could uh, I didn't have mm, to be smelling mm. the, the smoke and largely we have uh, we have been able to significantly reduce the number of people who are involved in smoking but of course now cigarette companies have, have come along and said well actually there's another way you can ingest it and I was staggered the other day I actually uh, heard uh, one of the uh, smoke uh, companies representatives saying look you know there's no definitive evidence that uh, you know vaping is uh, uh, 
uh, is problematical, you know, and I'm sort of thinking, hang on a moment, no, they might not be on vaping because, you know, I mean, vaping, you've got to have a 15-year study to be able to prove it, uh, but tobacco itself uh, with nicotine has been clearly uh, um, identified as being a major problem uh, for uh, for our society. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, and here we've got, you know, a vaping which holds the same chemicals, and uh, hey, you know, somehow we're going to get ourselves away with it. You know, it's a. Uh, you know, this is the interesting thing, isn't it? You know that like you're saying, it takes time to sometimes see the consequences because it's not as if you 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 vape and then the next day, you know, you've got lung cancer. Cancers don't develop that way. And you know that is actually so important. Because, I mean, just in another area, and I, I know this is a, probably a, a silly little one, but uh, look, uh, when when I was about uh, uh, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, I mean, growing up over there in, in Sydney, I used to love the Sydney beaches. I mean, the Sunday, if you weren't on the Sydney beach, you weren't having good entertainment. I love the Sydney beaches; fantastic uh, mm. spot. Uh, the one that's the one thing that Adelaide doesn't have, which I wish it did have, is the surf beaches. <laughs> but you know, when when we'd go to the beach on a Sunday, you know, Manly and Bondi, Bronte, you know, all these beaches, um, my we, the thing we did in those days was to lay and sunbake. Uh, mm. And, of course, you'd go mm. in the water, but you'd come out, and if you didn't go, come home uh, looking like a red robs, lobster, uh, you actually hadn't had a day at the beach. And my mother used to uh, used to be horrified because <laughs> uh, I can well remember her saying, uh, again, when you get to 60, you uh, are going to be, uh, you're going to be going and getting all those skin cancers burnt off you. Uh, mm-hmm. And I used to say, oh, mum, you worry too much, mum. You worry mm-hmm. too much. Well, look, I'm now in my 60s and guess what's happening to me? Your mum was a very intuitive My lady. mum was a prophet. My <laughs> mother was a prophet. I have every six months, I have to go along uh, to the skin cancer uh, specialist and I have to get uh, things taken taken off me because of the sins of my, of my youth. Uh, look, you know, so many... You, you were a sun worshipper. I was a sun worshipper. Yeah, that's very true. I was a sun <laughs> worshipper. But, but look, so many, um, uh, particularly uh, young people, it's easy to say, hey, look, you know, uh, that's not going to impact me now, yeah. um, therefore push it off to the indefinite future and mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to you know, I'm going to be live, able to live comfortably but hey, uh, you know my mum, uh, you know long gone, my mum now uh, but uh, she, uh, if she was around now she'd be saying I told you so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is the thing, you know, you can't, they say you can't put an old head on young shoulders, can you? That wisdom. But the, the interesting thing to me about the younger, gen- you know, youth and younger generation as well is typically, I, I think that, um, I think if the youth would just to, I guess, recognize that they've actually become the target of these multi, multi, multi billion dollar tobacco industries and that and that they have become the target yeah and that there's there's the the tobacco industry has recognized that there's money to be made if we can get another generation hooked on nicotine yeah and it's interesting that whilst australia is cracking down on vaping there are many other countries that are not yeah and and this is becoming um it's it's spreading like wildfire and and you know one of the interesting things to me is that i find that uh young people uh, replicate 
largely what their, their mates are doing, but often what mum and dad are doing as well. And, you know, I, I'm conscious that, you know, for example, I mean, just in another area, you get the whole area of uh, alcohol and particularly uh, an addiction to uh, to alcohol. So it's so easy to actually pick that up from mm. what mum and mm. dad are actually doing at home. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, you know, as I look at this, I just simply say, hey, look, you know, I think the government's on this one's making certainly the, the right move. I certainly think they need to be moving oh, against absolutely. the vaping. This is going to save people's lives. You know, the, the article goes to talk about the number of, you know, people who won't die of lung cancer as a result of essentially cracking down more on the issue of, of vaping. And and it's, it's very interesting. You know, nicotine addiction is, is a very interesting thing because... It impacts different people in a different way. Actually, even different cultures, they've found particular genes. Mm. Um, you know, people uh, can be more disposed to, to nicotine addiction. It's one of the reasons why some people, you know, can find it quite easy or easier, I should say, to quit than others. Some mm. people can find it, it is an absolute nightmare trying to give it up because for whatever reason, they may have a genetic disposition that actually means that it's going to be more difficult for them yeah. to actually quit. Yeah. And and that's the nature of an addiction. Yeah. The, the nature of addiction is yeah. that you, you recognize this is killing me. I don't want to do this, but I keep doing it because the, 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 um, the desire and yeah, for yeah, it is yeah. so strong, yeah. it literally just, um, you know, it overpowers everything else. And, yeah. and, and this is something again that, like, like we were saying before, Pastor Gary, that, that young people often don't recognize the power mm -hmm. of an addiction. Mm -hmm. They don't recognize exactly. that this is something that is, it can, can trap you. Um, you know, I've worked with, you know, Individuals who are who are battling with with smoking addiction, battling with um, alcohol addiction, and um, and sometimes you see them act, you know weeping, longing for for deliverance from this yeah. addiction that is just oppressing them. But uh, but uh, it's it, but it is very difficult to come by, and it becomes yeah. very yeah. very ingrained. Indeed, indeed. And I suppose what you know as we're talking about this subject. What can be the way forward for someone who's battling with an addiction? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, that, that, that's where we, I think you probably need somebody that's, uh, more in a, uh, more in a medical, uh, field on this one because, of course, there are so many different addictions that people are dealing with, uh, dealing with today. And, uh, uh particularly when there is a physical addiction, uh, trying, trying to break that, uh, it certainly can. I mean, I certainly ran, uh, for, for many years, I used to run the five day plan to, uh, to, to quit smoking. It used to be a, a very effective means. Now, of course, what that was doing is using a, a group therapy. In other words, there was group support mm -hmm. uh, where uh, the the habit was broken over a uh, over a, a couple of a couple of week uh, week period, and basically you had group support, uh, and that was actually uh, very effective for many people mm -hmm. uh, who mm -hmm. uh, actually wanted to give up uh, the whole. Uh, 
tobacco addiction thing. The problem, of course, today is that with vaping, vaping is actually uh, a much stronger concoction than the standard cigarette. That's right. And, you know, even as and this is something that you know I, I would plead with parents to actually be aware uh, of you know what your what your children are actually taking mm. on board mm. uh, in the in the school environment. Mm. You know, absolutely. It's, it, it's so. This is just so so important. Yeah, absolutely it is. And I agree with you, Pastor Gary. Going and seeking medical, medical support is a great way to go. Um, there's, there's group support out there as well. Of course, yeah, the Seventh-day Adventist Church has updated that five-day, um, quit program to the Quit Now program as well. There's right. various, various, um, various programs that exist and there's support that is out there. And, you know, I think one of the keys as well, if you're a person of faith, is to, is to take advantage of the fact that you have a faith. Yeah. Um, you know, oftentimes I think addictions can be one of those things that, that the devil uses to, to discourage us in our faith. And, um, the good news is that Jesus says, the son of, yeah, you know, he says, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. He also yeah. says, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. There's, there's power in, in actually coming to Christ, acknowledging that we that we may be struggling with an addiction, yeah. and then saying, "Lord, by faith, I, I I believe that you can deliver me from this." And you know, on I, I have actually seen occasions where uh, that has worked powerfully. I mean, I, I actually well remember a, a young man that I was uh, working with uh, in those days. Um, the, the the drug of uh, the drug of choice uh, was actually heroin, and uh, he was actually addicted to it. And uh, he he actually we actually prayed uh, for him, and uh, to this day he swears that he was supernaturally revi- um, um, uh, had that addiction taken from mm. him. Now mm. that's. That is, um, uh, that's a fantastic story. The challenge for, for me as a pastor is that, uh, that is something that hasn't always functioned for everybody. No, now, and, no. and that's the thing that uh, to me, you know, I think we have to grapple with this. That, mm. that do we mm. have a God who can, uh, can move and act and overcome addiction? Yes, we do. Uh, but, why doesn't uh, God function in the same way for everybody? Mm, uh, mm. That question is that's probably worth an entire week's discussion on drive time. We might do that one of these days. Uh, it's, it is a very interesting one, but and it's the same thing with healings as well. Sometimes God does choose to heal instantaneously. Yeah. Other times, He will actually heal progressively and. And so, you know, I, I, I just want to, you know, I think that the key is, though, to be able to come to God and um, open our heart to him. The Bible says that uh, yeah. this is the faith that, I, you know, this is what overcomes the world, even our faith is First John 5, I think in verse 7, First John 5, 7, faith is the victory. When you, when you trust that God gives you the victory, whatever the issue is, the, whatever the addiction is, you say, Lord, I want to thank you for the victory that you've given me. Mm-hmm. And then it's a key of essentially, okay, Lord, help me to maintain that victory. Indeed. Help me to maintain that victory. Help me to order my life in such a way so that uh, I eliminate temptation as much as possible so that I can get the support that I need 
And um, because certainly God wants to set us free. He wants to give us that free and abundant life. We're going to come to some music now. This is a beautiful song called Word of God Speak. I'm sure you'll be blessed by this song. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with pastors Marty and Gary. This week we're following the theme, Is the Good Book, the Bible, Too Violent? And today we're actually uh, looking at uh, the question, Was the God of the Old Testament a violent monster? Today we actually do have a giveaway. It's a book called The Christian Art of War by Pastor Ivor Myers. And I'll tell you, give you a bit of a description of this book. It's a free giveaway that we want to make available to all of our Faith FM listeners today. Now, using a technique refreshing but a biblical approach, Pastor Myers shares the powerful 
lessons to help conquer the enemy within each of us. Using military strategy, combat training techniques, and even the laws of nature and of the animal kingdom, Myers uncovers the secrets of experiencing lasting victory in the fight of faith. Whether you struggle with pornography, impure thoughts, drug addictions, or any other sin that burdens your heart, the Christian art of war will encourage you. These lessons will teach you to fight honorably, courageously, and by the grace of God, become more than conquerors. Now, if you'd like to get a free copy of this book, you simply can send us a text. Our studio number is 04888-80811. That number again, 04888-80811. Why not save it in your phone? It's our Faith FM Drive Time studio number. And the code to get this book, The Christian Art of War, your free copy, just send us the code S. A one two three, no gap in between the S and the A. Uh, the the one two three, just five digits. S A one two three, and we will get you that uh, that uh, that book as soon as possible. This may be a book that you could potentially share with someone that you know, and um, and so feel free to send us a text at uh, 04888808811 and send us the code SA123. Pastor Gary, we're delving into a very interesting topic today. Was the God of the Old Testament a violent monster? I mean... You've got your Bible open. You've got uh, you've got some thoughts prepared. We're, yeah, looking forward to what you have to share with us this yeah, afternoon. Yeah, thank you so much, Marty. Really appreciate that. Uh, you know, this is this is one of those uh, subjects that is a really, really significant that question that I believe that every uh, believer needs to have answers for. Uh, I, I I well remember when I preaching on this particular subject on one occasion and uh, uh, one of my one of my church elders uh, came came out to me uh, after the uh, after the service and uh, she just thanked me for that um, incredibly because uh, because uh, uh, what what she said to me was uh, uh, you uh, uh, I have never loved the God of the Old Testament. She said, Jesus, mm. I love. Uh, Jesus, I respect. But the God of the Old Testament is a, is a God that I don't get. I had uh, mm. I had another uh, a lady who uh, uh, on, on another occasion when I, I preached on on this subject, uh, she actually came out uh, out of the church in tears, and uh, she said to me, she says she said, Pastor, uh, she said, thank you for preaching on that. It's just a bit too late. I said. What do you mean? Uh, and she said, my son uh, went along to university just two years ago. He was a church-attending, a Bible-believing Christian. And uh, one of the very first things that was thrown at him in the, on the university campus was the fact that the God of the Old Testament was a mean, nasty character. Uh, he had no answers for it. He walked out of the church. He walked away from Christ. And you won't see him near a church today. And she was in mm-hmm. tears. And she said, mm-hmm. uh, thank mm-hmm. you for preaching on that. I needed to hear that yeah. there are answers and you know this this is something that to me I believe you know Christian parents in fact to me when you're having your worship time I believe there's actually a case for being able to say hey look you know we need to deal uh, with teenagers 
with some of these really big questions. And there are books around yeah, that allow good. Uh, these uh, these uh, questions to actually be uh, dealt with. So, okay, uh, how how do I actually respond to this, you know, the God of the Old Testament? Was he a mean and was he a nasty character? You know, one of the things that I, uh, Marty, uh, discovered a little while ago was a, a series of, of books. They're actually meant for a primary age boys. It's called The Horrible History Series. Have you ever, have you ever heard of them? I've not heard of that you series. You haven't heard of that series. Well, your young people aren't at the about grade four, five, and six just, mm. ju- just yet. Mm. But you know, this is a, a series that, uh, uh, most, uh, most schools would actually have the horrible history school, uh, series. You get the vile Victorians. You get the gory Romans. It's a, it's a simple, cartoon type format it majors on crime punishment gory wars nasty rulers foul food and disgusting traditions from previous eras and uh, you know it's actually a series that uh, particularly um, uh, boys in grades four, five, six seem to really relate to because they like uh, hearing about the the vile Victorians and mm. uh, you know the mm. fact they never had to have a bath and now look one of the things that really really jumped out at me you know when I when I saw the books I thought well you know each of the books actually features a selective and an overly simplified view of an historical period you know um you know they want to make it exciting for these pre-teenage boys now marty if you were going to do reliable history would you go to one of those books most certainly not why not because they are, they're, they, um, there's an agenda, I suppose you could say. They're, they're, it's a marketing strategy potentially of, yeah, you know, of wanting making, to sell making books. the history sound, you know, yeah, sprucing it up a bit and dramatizing it a bit. Um, and, and even though I'm sure that it, you know, is, is, would certainly be based in actual facts. Oh, there, there are certainly facts in there, and the general genre, and that's uh, certainly what they're what they're saying, has got some uh, truth to it. I mean, the, the Victorians talks about the Victorian era. Well, they've got the Victorian era fairly fairly correct, um, but they're majoring on aspects yeah. there that, outside of the culture and the context, it's physically uh, impossible to come to a full. If I was doing reliable history, I would never. Uh, go to the horrible history series. I put that in my bibliography. <laughs> I'd be laughed out of the country. And yet, the thing that I'm just really conscious of is that uh, we're living in a world today when the horrible history message is being directed to the God of the Old Testament. You know, Christians say, why is God so different in the Old Testament than he is in the New Testament? Why is God so angry in the Old Testament and so peaceful in the New Testament? You know, this is the sort of dichotomy that you've actually got. You know, if you take um, uh, the book The God Delusion, which is actually Richard, Richard Dawkins' uh, uh, book. Uh, this is what he says about the God of the Old Testament. The God of the Old Testament is arguably the most unpleasant character in all fiction. Jealous and proud of it, a petty, unjust, unforgiving control freak, a vindictive, bloodthirsty, ethnic cleanser, a homophobic, racist, infanticidal, genocidal, capriciously malevolent bully. 
Now, you know, how do you write a sentence like that? But this is Richard Dawkins, who, of course, is is anti anything anything Christian, and uh, what he's doing is writing against the God of the Old Testament. And many people, particularly at university level, have picked this up, and they're they're running with it as though there are no answers. To, to this issue. You know, my friend, my friend's mother, you know, who, who went to university, you know, was, this was thrown at her son. There were no answers and, uh, he walks away from, uh, uh, from, uh, from Christ. Now, uh, look, let me just, uh, cause I'm really conscious that our time is going to get away from us. Um, but look, um, let me just share with you, you know, was God in the Old Testament really this horrible person that Richard Dawkins says that he was uh, that, you know, I mean that it got thrown at my university age uh, young person. Well look let me just come to um, a couple of the passages that uh, um, that are that, that that are often referred to in the Old Testament. Now, um, Deuteronomy chapter seven says says this, um, uh, and it's verse one and two. When the Lord your God brings you into the land which you go to possess, and has cast out many nations before you, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than you, when the Lord your God delivers them over to you, you shall conquer them. And utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them or show mercy to them. You shall utterly wipe them out. You know, people read this, you know, passages of scripture like this, and there are a number of passages like this, and you say, hey, you know, where is the God of love here? You know, here's the, uh, the people have to go in, utterly wipe them out. You know, man, other passages talk about man, woman, and, and children, you know, being, being wiped out. You know, this is a, this is, surely this is evidence for a mean, nasty God. Um, you know, how do we respond to it? Well, let me just give you a couple of um, um, a couple of uh, possible responses. Come with me to uh, uh, Genesis chapter uh, Genesis chapter fifteen, and uh, this is a, a passage uh, where back in the days of uh, Abraham in uh, in this passage here, it's uh, Genesis chapter fifteen. It's verse uh, thirteen and uh, uh, thirteen and fourteen, and uh, also verse uh, sixteen. Then God said to Abraham, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, and will serve them, he's referring to the Egyptians, and they will afflict them four hundred years, and also the nation whom they serve I will judge. Afterward they will come out with great possessions. Now for you... You will go to your fathers, rest in peace, and you uh, shall be buried at a good old age. But in the fourth generation, uh, this nation shall return here. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. Now, this is really significant because God is saying that he wants to give the land of Canaan to the Israelites, but... He's not going to do it just yet because the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. Apparently, there was still hope 
for the Amorites. You know, one of the things that I, I find in the in the Old Testament is that God is a wonderful God who actually cares not just for the nation of Israel, but for other nations. You, mm-hmm. you recall the, the story of Jonah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jonah was sent to the Ninevites. Now, the Ninevites, of course, are not Israelites, but he was sent to preach and teach to the Ninevites. Now, the Ninevites, these were actually a nasty... They have a, they had a terrible habit of doing nasty things to people who came who they didn't like. And God had sent Jonah and say, hi, why did Jonah go and run the opposite direction? The reason he actually went the opposite direction was because he knew that the Ninevites had this terrible habit of doing very nasty things to people who came and preached against them. And I won't go on on air and tell you what, I can tell you what those nasty things were. And when I preach to university students, I actually share what some of those nasty things uh, actually mm. actually mm. were. But mm. I don't want to do that uh, on air. But uh, they are things that ho- were horrific in, in nature. Yeah. And yet God cared for them. Here we find in Genesis, we find that God is going to allow his own people to go down to Egypt. He's not going to give them Canaan just yet because the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. Now, why is that? Well, that's because in the, in the New Testament, we actually have a verse, you know, it's Second Peter 3, 3, 9. God is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to mm. repentance. He's long-suffering. He's long-suffering. Yeah. You know, I believe this, this, um, this is true for the Old Testament people, just as true as, as yeah. it is for the New Testament. I mean, absolutely. Yes? Yeah, I, absolutely. I remember reading in Joshua on one occasion, Pastor Gary, and, and it, it stood out to me that, um, Whilst God had, uh, you know, God had given a promised land to, to his people, um, there were also promises for other nations as well. Yeah. God was making provisions for other nations as well. But, but I, I, I suppose when you, um, when we, I, I suppose you understand that concept of the, the, the cup of iniquity or the cup of evil filling up and then getting to the point where there is no turning back. And, and I think, I think you're actually picking yeah. up something here that's actually incredibly important because what you, what's happening is that God at a certain point is saying, I have to judge. Now, um, you know, I mean, this, this, uh, is is something that you know? I mean, Mr. Dawkins will 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 point at me and say, "Hey, well, you know, why does God have to judge? Why can't He just allow people to to do what they like?" Now, let me just answer answer that question. I think there's actually a very good answer for uh, for that uh, that particular que- for that particular question. Look, the. Um, some, a little while ago, let me just let me just move this direction. A little while ago, we uh, we had here uh, in in our world a um, we had the ISIS uh, group internationally. Now they were involved in doing some very horrendous things to uh, to individuals. Uh, people, uh, people were being beheaded. Uh, it was, it was something where uh, people around the world were absolutely horrified at the things that ISIS was doing. Mm. Now, what mm. if you actually had a nation that were doing far more horrible things than what ISIS was doing? Now, again, 
I don't want to go into what those things were here on air, yeah. but they were doing horrendous. You know, they these were making uh, ISIS, these nations, uh, by the time that God judged them, were doing things to their infants that would be absolutely, uh, most people couldn't even dream up. What they yeah. were doing. Yeah. This was horrific, uh, type of, type of yeah. stuff. Now, at some point, God actually gets to the point where he says, no, I have to judge. Now, is this reasonable? Now, uh, this is, uh, this is, uh, you know, would God be right to judge a nation that was involved in, in, in incredibly horrific acts, not just against the enemy, but against their own children. Would God be right now, uh, right to judge? Now, mm. apparently, you know, when people like uh, Richard Dawkins say, hey, look, you know, I mean, uh, God is a, a bully, he must be unaware of what these nations were actually doing. You see, if God allowed this horror to occur, uh, Mr. Richard Dawkins would undoubtedly call on God to act against human suffering. He would say, mm. if God is all-powerful, then he should act against this form of Absolute horrendous infanticide. Mm, mm. Uh, but when he does act, he's then called a bully. Do you get this? Yeah. God cannot win the way that uh, the uh, the horrible history story mm, mm. is being told today. Mm. Uh, you know, as I look at this, I'm just simply saying, hey, please, let's get into the culture. Let's understand what's actually going on there. Uh, you know, God, uh, God is acting on human suffering that is being invented by humanity, and when he does act... He's actually called a bully. Now, in other words, God can't win either way. Mm. This is something that I, you know, I mean, as I've, as I've preached on this, as I've shared on, uh, on this subject, uh, more and more, uh, I, I am conscious that, um, it's as people come to understand, uh, what's actually going on that they're able to make sense. They're able to come to an understanding of what the character of God is really like. Mm. Uh, because, you know, I mean, Sodom and Gomorrah at some point got to the point where God couldn't even find, I think it was what, five or ten, uh, righteous people in all of the in all of the cities of the plain, yeah, yeah. and at that point, God says, "Hey, no, I have to, I have to, you know, bring this thing to an end." You know, mm-hmm. it's interesting. Even in the New Testament, you know, everyone says, "Hey, the New Testament God is different to the Old Testament God." Well, the, the New Testament God does talk about a time coming when He's going to bring evil to an end. Mm. You know, you get the Absolutely. same sort of picture occurring in the New Testament as what you get in the Old Testament. But look, yeah. maybe you want a break. Yeah, we can come to a break now, Pastor Gary. This is, these are very, very powerful and valuable insights. And, um, we're uh, going to be continuing this, this, uh, study on 
was the God of the Old Testament uh, a violent God? In fact, the Bible gives us a very different picture. We're going to continue on that straight after this uh, this music. It is well with my soul. When peace like a
Welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM Radio Drive Time BQ&A with Pastors Master, uh, Marta, Marty and Gary. I'm, I'm getting a bit tongue-tied there. Hey, welcome back. Welcome to our listeners. We've been looking at a very interesting subject today, a very important one about the God of the Old Testament and understanding some of the passages that seem at face value to indicate that God was vengeful and, 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 and tyrannical, and yet when we understand it properly, it actually reveals a God of love. Mm. A God who who is merciful, who is long suffering, and um, but a God of also of justice who does step in when He needs to. Now we do actually have a free giveaway today. It is the book called The Christian Art of War by Ivor Myers, and this book really deals with the biggest battle that you and I will ever face, and that's actually the battle with ourselves. There is no greater struggle that we face than with selfishness and our own broken sinful nature. And Pastor Myers actually delves into this topic, and whatever our struggle is, he he shows with encouragement, with remarkable principles from the Word of God and from nature, and and even from um, from martial, you know, from from military. Um, concepts as well. He shows how we can have victory in the various different areas of our life. Now, if you'd like to get this book, you can simply just send us a text 048-80811. If you text that number, that's our Faith FM um, Drive Time Studio number, and you send us the code SA123, you'll get a free copy of this book. Once again, the code is SA123, just five digits, and then you send that code to 048 um, really want to encourage you to, to get a copy of this book because uh, this could be the key that unlocks that unlocks uh, the pathway forward for something that you may be struggling with. And uh, I suppose, Pastor Gary, there's all, all of us are facing different challenges. Indeed. I mean, we're all facing different challenges. We're, we are, we're sinners. We're broken. Yeah. We yeah. need, we need God's strength. And, and Pastor Myers, I think he shares a lot of his own experience. It's he a does. lot. It's like a personal testimony. And so it's the kind of book that I think anyone could relate to and say, okay, yeah, wow, he's gone through that as well. Yeah. Maybe his experience and what God did in his life will encourage somebody. So I want to encourage our listeners. Send us that code SA123 to 04888080811. Well, let's come back to our Bible study topic today. Pastor Gary, um, we're just looking at the fact that these nations were, that God actually did act. He did bring judgment on these particular nations. Um, these nations were incredibly evil nations. And um, the atrocities that it they was were doing. I, I think you used a good expression, actually, just in our discussion during the while the song was playing. Uh, it was very much last resort type option. Mm. I mean, do we ever use that sort of thing? Have you ever seen that happen today? Well, that's exactly right. You know, um, you mean the the judgments yeah, of yeah, God yeah. and that Look, kind the of thing. thing? The thing I'm conscious of is that, you know, there are times when nations feel that they have to go to war. 
Yeah, and that's uh, right. That's uh, you right. Know, I mean, I even have got some in very interesting articles, certainly in my files, where uh, significant churches uh, during the time of the when ISIS was uh, uh, certainly um, displaying their their atrocities, uh, were saying it's time to go to war. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. time to uh, to act against mm. uh, against mm. these uh, uh, these individuals, and um, you know this is this is something that uh, God in the Old Testament, when he turns and he sees the infant side, when he sees the horrendous nature of the sin which they are committing, this is not just, you know, um, uh, this is not just some minor activity somewhere. This is absolutely yeah. horrendous material that had been adopted nationally. Mm. This was part of the national religion. And uh, God turns around and he says, hey, no. No, I have to act. These people have gone past anything that is uh, mildly, um, mildly offensive. This is something that I have to act on. Uh, and when God does that, it's so easy to say, okay, God is acting now against, you know, the pain, the suffering, and the heartache these people are causing. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But now, I turn around and I call God a bully. Well, let's, you know, which way do you want it, you know? That's exactly right. I mean, if, if we were to say that, um, the atrocities of, you know, World War Two and, and, um, you know, the, the, the destruction of, of the Jewish nation and the, the well, Nazi, the-, the Nazi regime, let's suppose that, you know, w- would we, would we turn around and say that, uh, that the Allied forces that came against the Nazi regime, would we say that they were unjust? No, of course we wouldn't. We would recognize that, you know, that, you know, in war, it's a very, it's a very difficult thing to, to, to get the balance. And, and, and certainly we're not saying that human beings always get it right. We're not saying that at all. We get it wrong. However, even we as human beings, you know, know in it with our limited wisdom, our limited insight, we know that you can't just let evil go. Un, undone. You just you have to step in at some point. Um, I mean, this is why. I mean, uh, America finished the um, the war with Japan by dropping atomic bombs. Now, atomic bombs destroyed. And I've actually, uh, when I've been sharing this with certainly the university student, you know, one of the uh, one of the questions I asked was, you know, was America correct or incorrect to actually use the atomic bomb because that wiped out man, woman, and child. Yeah. Uh, you know, is that something, you know? And as they start to struggle with that, uh, they start to realize that, hey. This is not a uh, simple thing. Th- this is not a simple, a simple matter. And what God is attempting to do is he's trying to, um, deal with something that has become so horrendous that he, uh, that he, that he must act. Uh, you know, we've actually come to, come to accept, uh, violence as something that is quite normative. Uh, you know, we watch it on television all the time. Violence mm. is a normative mm. part of, yeah. of television. But to God, violence is not normative. Uh, and, it's not. you know, to me, and I'm just conscious of our, our time once, uh, uh, once again, but, you know, as I look at the God of the Old Testament, you know, I see a God who was bending over 
backwards to continually redeem both his people and other nations. Mm. You know, I've already mentioned, you know, we've got Jonah being sent to Nineveh. Mm. And Nineveh is a, is a nation. You know, God sends a missionary from his people to Nineveh uh, in the hope that they might reform. Jeremiah is called in uh, Jeremiah 1, chapter verse 5, a prophet to the nations. He's actually sent not just to Israel, but he's sent to the mm. to the nations yeah. around him, yeah. you see, God cares for the nations. You find Daniel becomes a prophet in Babylon, and what we find is that you can, you can track a process where the king Nebuchadnezzar, the first king, actually comes to conversion. Uh, you know, there is a process that's actually taken there. Yeah. Nebuchadnezzar is converted. God cares even for the Babylonians, but it's interesting. Once the Babylonians got to a point. Where uh, their uh, their um, uh, their their life uh, became uh, so horrendous, they had gone beyond uh, the point where God was able to call them. At that point, He said, "No, the pain, the suffering, and the heartache and the disease is just so great here. Mm. I have to act." There yeah. comes a point when God Himself yeah. has to act. Uh, and, and you find the same thing in the New Testament. You get, you know, at the end of the New Testament, you know, Christ comes a second time. And, and at that time, uh, the last two chapters of the Bible talk mm. about a new heaven and a new earth. Uh, in other words, and, and what happens to the old heaven and the mm. old earth? Well, mm. you actually find a picture there in uh, at the end of the book of Revelation where uh, the old earth is actually destroyed with all the heartache, the suffering, the disease. The, you know, all that's going on is destroyed and God is able to recreate this world uh, into what he originally designed this world yeah. to be. Uh, this is a, a gracious God because sin is not a natural uh, part of our world. It wasn't yeah. intended to be part of our world. Death and suffering wasn't intended to be part of our world. And God is acting against those things. Yeah. That is the good news, isn't it? That God ultimately is going to actually make all things new. There will come a time where there'll be no more sin, no more suffering, no more death. And uh, in order for God to do that, judgment is a part of that process. It's his last resort option, but ultimately he does have to come to that. Otherwise, we would point and say, that's not fair. That's not just to allow evil to go on indefinitely. So God does step in. And, um, look, it does look like our time is up for today. And we've, uh, and I just want to thank you, Pastor Gary, for leading us through that, uh, that Bible study. And I'm sure that our listeners on Faith FM have, have had, uh, have had their eyes open to see, um, how we can better understand this uh, this potentially challenging issue of uh, of the God of the Old Testament and the character of the God of the Old Testament, and I want to invite us uh, invite our listeners again to join tomorrow when Pastor Gary and Pastor David will be discussing how did Jesus deal with violence. But I want to leave you with these words from God who says to each of us in His Word, "For I know the plans that I have for you. God has a plan for your life." That's what the Bible says. Plans, what are, what are God's plans for your life and mine? To prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Jeremiah 29, 11. God has a plan for your life. He wants to bless you. He wants to give you a hope and a future. And if you place your life in God's hands, 
He will be able to work out his plan in your life. So may you know and experience the blessed plan that God has for your life. This program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. 